Hello and welcome to the 361 Podcast, Season 9, Episode 8. My name's Ben Smith from Wireless Worker. I'm Ewan from Mobile Industry Review. And I'm Ray from the All About Sites. This week we're talking about luxury and fashion. We're looking at the influence of smart technology on the luxury product space. And we wonder who's disrupting who. Gents, good to see you again. Hello. Hi, Energy. Rafe Blanford. Oh, terrific. I reckon here. this is the episode. I think this is the one that he's going to explode. You think? Yeah, I think if we just rile him up in the right way, I reckon he'll just start sleeping. blinding. Fair enough. I, I, have you been back into the forest to do any woodland archaeology? Yes. As, as it happens, I have. I, I had a chance to go to Sheffield Park and it was particularly exciting. A park in Sheffield? or This is Sheffield Park's National Trust property in uh, East Sussex. Right. Is that near, near the, I, the pad? It's near, the, it's near the Bluebell Railway. There we go. We're not going to talk Does about that the thing that's, that, 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 this mystical estate that you seem to know a lot about and I know absolutely nothing about. But you wouldn't, wouldn't believe how well, exciting basically, it is. There's a, a friend of mine who's listened to every single episode of uh, 361. I'm very, very sorry yeah, to have wasted your time. And he, he's been piecing together. He's actually got almost yeah. like a Wikipedia entries of all, all the things that Blanford Estate is. Yeah. Well, yeah. actually, because I, I understand that the, the, rail, the railway was originally built to join the Blanford estate up with the, the nearby town for peasant labourers who would come to the estate and, uh, and work, I, I don't know, doing, doing what. Well, that, that's just a historic, uh, one of those historical facts. It's like the turrets. That, it, is a, it is a historical yeah. fact. Yeah. There we yeah. go. Walked into that one. There we go. There we so, go. Um, yeah, but have you been digging anything up? You don't dig it up, you uh, survey it and note it for future generations. Well, you just look at it. And it was particularly exciting this time because discovered a previously unknown concrete platform that was in fact the officer's hut for the Canadian army that was uh, stationed there just before D-Day. You know, I, I promise you that we are the only only <laughs> podcast in the entire world to use the phrase, discovered a previously unknown concrete platform. <laughs> well, there we go. It's, it's what it's all about. We love you, Blanford. And, and can I just point out, this is actually using digital technology to do the recording, because when you're doing archaeology, it's very important to keep track of what you find. And usually it's done on paper. Been an experiment with doing it with phones mm. and, and tablets, and actually what found out is the experience has to be top-notch because paper is honestly a lot more convenient. Now, what, so some, what got you into this? Poor, um, poor judgment, by the sound of things. A, a, an interest in kind of the, the topic and also being a, someone who can help out with the digital side of things. What, what did a friend of yours film? This was actually his family connection. Oh, right. I know that Blanford guy. He does that podcast. Yeah. He'll be a good person to ask about concrete. I, ha- yeah, I believe I may own an undiscovered concrete platform. Who may I call? It's like the A-team. <laughs> if you can find him, maybe you can find Maybe you can call Rafe Blanford. Have you ever done anything in your place? Um, you, yeah, I've did, actually tested out some of the products to do some surveying to identify various lumps and bumps in the woods nearby. What about in the pond? Have you got a pond? No, a lake. Was it you've got? The, well, one, yes, that, the, the that, one that flooded. That's kind of quite obvious. It's not really hidden. <laughs> it's, it's a good point. You can't argue that, Ewan, can you? <laughs> I'm going to survey the lake it? using my eyes. There it is. <laughs> I, th- I mean, I kind of wading into it with bolts and stuff. Okay. I, right. I, I feel we may have drifted away from the subject of mobile technology and now just upsetting people whose time we're wasting. Well, I, th- no, I think some of the listeners do want to know more about Blanford. I don't think they care too much about me. No, this clearly. Is true. And I think 
they have a passing interest in you. I'm not actually a real person. Right? I'm just here to be sarcastic. <laughs> I, think for Blanford. Exactly. I think it's Blanford I, they really I, care about. Okay. I, I'm not sure it's so much wanting to know about it as uh, enjoying having me gently mocked at every episode. Can we say hello to all of the um, LBI? Sorry, yeah. let me get the brand correct. Digitas LBI. Yeah. The the listeners, because there's quite a lot of them. That's where Blanford works. The Blanderati. Yeah, <laughs> they're right in on a regular basis. The, the, the Blandies, yeah. the Blandies. Hi there, well, everybody. That's going to be our uh, seri- that's going to be our series of awards ceremonies. DLBI. Yes, the, the Blandies. Oh, what a Blandy! What for? Best concrete platform. <laughs> Anyways, right, let's move on. Let's move. Let's move on from mocking. I, I'm feeling more uh, luxurious today. So uh, this really is your sweet spot, Mr. McLeod, isn't it? As the as the author of the uh, a blog, uh, the pursuit of luxury. Briefly, no, no, it's, does it's it still pursuit, have? There's a pursuit of quality. Quality, luxury, quality. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, it, it gets written in so so rarely. I almost thought it was one of my own blogs. Um, but <laughs> so this week we are talking about luxury and fashion, and and no doubt anyone will, <laughs> anyone who will have met us will uh, is will, will, right will understand. And that we are uniquely qualified. I've got to people talk that do that subject. for me. Have you? Yeah. What sort of people? It's called the chapper. And it's called your wife. No, she doesn't do that. Okay. I just, you, I'm just trying to say you look like a man who's dressed by, <laughs> dressed by his nearest and dearest. No, I'm dressed by the chapper, What's which that? is uh, that's um, where some very cool, hip young ladies send you stuff. Just young ladies. No gentleman in that. I don't think there's that many. There is a there's a founder as a gentleman, right? Um, and and his father. Yeah. Um, but they yeah they 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 have these fashion advisor people that go shopping for you and then they send you stuff. Okay. They send you in a big crate, and then you um you have a look and whatever you like you keep and what you don't like they send uh, back. I definitely live in a different world to you. Well, you can do it. Too. It's the 1940s, isn't it? <laughs> Anyway, right. let's, uh, look, I, I briefly slipped back into the mocking Rafe Blanford phase, phase of the show. Right. So the, the, there is a problem with luxury and fashion, isn't there? Which is It's that always been rubbish with technology. It's always been rubbish with technology. Remember, remember some of those um, uh, LG phones from what year? So the well, L- Virtu, yes, but... Yeah. Well, the LG Prada. That's it, LG yeah. Prada, that's what I was thinking about. Chocolate oh, me. Yeah. And so the, one, one, of the, one of the problems is that the worlds of fashion and tech haven't really met on many occasions. There's not, technology has been distinctly inelegant and has been, uh, you know, rarely, rarely has it been in luxury products in a good way. So if you think even about sitting inside uh, some of those sort of very most high-end cars yes. or if you think about some of the smartest of smart televisions, and I don't own a particularly expensive one, but I do own a, I do own a television that professes to be smart from from a reasonably premium mm. brand and the experience is excruciating to say i remember least. going to look at an aston martin yeah and being horrified by the plastic phone and the rubbish cable they had in the um what's the thing you put you know not the glove compartment but the, the thing where the, near, near the gear stick what's the center, well just the center the console, center console yeah. yeah you open that up and you had to yeah. pull out a plastic phone it was rubbish but the but the apple that watch a gb7 yeah the, the apple watch i the Apple Watch has changed all that, hasn't it? And I don't want this to be an Apple Watch episode, but the 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 Apple Watch it signifies everything that has the point we've reached with, with technology, where it's now going to be sold in part as a as an accessory, as a fashionable item, and we now we're going to have to address this this point that actually tech, fashion, and luxury are now all intermingled. Well, it's going to be really interesting to see how they actually sell the. Phones. Well, it's not just phones, is it? Sorry, it's sorry. Yeah. Well, sorry. I'm thinking phones and watches. It's how, how do they sell the 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 watches in store? 
because um, if you walk, can you walk into the, the local, my, my local ones in Basingstoke, can I walk into the local Apple store and say, I'm here to buy a $17,000 handset uh, watch? Well, yeah. No, because they, they said you, you won't, and there's only be selected stores for a start. But, so, yeah, but, so how, how is that going to work then? But Rafe, fashion, fashion brands are the same kind of high margin businesses that some of the Apple is. Are they not? So should they not just get on fine? Well, I, I think Apple is the technology company that is probably closest to this fashion label, and it's certainly something that Steve Jobs espoused. But I, rather than seeing the Apple Watch as kind of the start of something, I do think it's a, more the popularization of that. And there has been a growing awareness of design and experience in the phones, um, and we've seen lots of companies doing that on both the software and the hardware side. And we, but what's different now is it really is truly fashion because there is less of a concern with the what I would call the functionality and the performance, and that's what most of technology has been driven by, particularly in the mobile space over the last decade as the smartphone has become established. But with the the rise of the smartwatch, we're suddenly seeing something where the the form and what it feels like on the wrist and what it means that perception that it creates, I think, is the most important part of the product. Uh, and that's the, that's the big difference here. And w- we may well see the same thing happen to the smartphone. And it, it's not just a niche thing. This isn't a virtue product or you know, doing a fashion phone for the sake of trying to sell a few more of the phones. This is something which is going to be, I think, front and center of trying to understand the, the smartwatch space. And I think it extends to other accessories as well. Do you, do you think that fashion and luxury brands can do technology though because historically they've been really bad at it but it's been probably because the technology was too immature to match the expectations of high-end products but we're getting there now with with smartphones and wearables and all these sorts of things but for example we i've got here in front of me a list of the smartwatches that were announced at basel world which was you know the the watch industry's big event recently and we've we've talked about other things as well and there's brands like tagger and gucci and people like that i mean you know sort of big big representative brands and yet they've got no technology capability whatsoever and yet they're here they are launching or announcing you know products which are hugely premium i mean how much does a tag watch go for i mean many many thousands of pounds right yeah and yet here they are announcing technology enabled ones and are they not just going to dilute their brand by you know it not being a, an amazingly elegant watch but i, I think they, they probably feel they've got to do something for the whole apple watch I wonder if it's just going to be the usual, which is a mildly interesting, uh, poorly designed product. It looks good because they, they basically designers will knock out the next next one over there at Tag, and then they'll say, "Oh yeah, that one stick some stick as you say a hundred dollars worth of tech inside it and just call it a smartwatch." I, just, yeah. I don't think it's going to work. Well, I, I think we can see it as purely re- reactive to the Apple Watch. And I think the, but, the but I think they're reacting timing, in the wrong way. Yeah. The, the absolute timing is that, but I think this was something that was already on the way. There was an awareness. I mean, Swatch and some of the other uh, manufacturers have been talking about smartwatches for a while, but they've been doing it in a way that they've addressed the, the watch market by taking it a small segment and addressing it by doing an adjacent product category. And you saw... You know, some of them did it around sports activities. You got kind of volleyball or sailing smartwatches from various companies. The difference is now that the big tech giants are getting into it, they're trying to create generic products, and that's how this changes. 
I, I'm actually tempted to, to say I think they can because the technology around this is actually relatively commoditized. This isn't necessarily massive amounts of innovation. I think there will be, and I think actually on the software side, that's where you get the bigger question. But can they? Can, do you think they can? Do can you have luxury software? Because one of the things that always amused me about the Virtu smartphone was you'd hold this thing, which was, you know, in my opinion, beautiful. You know, there was phenomenally well engineered. They, they weren't always my taste, but they were always beautiful yep. and they were always incredibly well manufactured. And yet, it was either sorry, Rafe, running bloody Symbian, or oh, you're not allowed to say that, or Android. And the experience as soon yeah, as you turned it version of Android, as soon well. as you turned it on and used it, okay, set aside perhaps the expectations that we're all you know, sort of power users and therefore maybe more demanding. And just accept the fact that actually my Virtu phone, when I turn it on, doesn't look or behave any differently to, uh, you know... Your, a $90 one. Yeah, your, 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 your medium-range Samsung. And, you know, if I think about other products, like, you know, uh, fam- famously, you know, some suit brands sew in really intricate coloured panels inside the suits or inside trousers, and very rarely do you actually ever get to see them. But the whole thing is that every part of that product, even the even the pieces that only the owner sees or don't get shown off, is supposed to be, you know, impressive and luxurious. And I just think there's that kind of glaring, jolting thing that... I don't know if you if you got inside if you got inside a Rolls Royce and it had the same interior as a you know as a, as a General Motors car, even though maybe they share, they're owned by the same companies. Let's say it doesn't a, work. Does it, it? Does, it doesn't. It, it ruins that that perception of luxury. I, I think that's right. And actually, I think it's hard to do software in a luxury way. I think the services on top get interesting, and Virtu did that by having the concierge service. But if you look at cars, you have the same problem. And that you know, it's only someone like Tesla who's done this kind of big LCD screens, and actually that has its own set of problems. And is that luxury or is that tech for tech's sake? I think this uh, intersection of you know tech and luxury, when we talk about it, the most complicated question is on the software side, because I have no doubt that they can come up with uh, watches that, from a hardware point of view, are, are very beautiful. And actually, the hardware capability in terms of the tech isn't you know, that difficult. We can see fitness bands being integrated. Even there's screen technology. I mean, Keros is an interesting company. He's going to be putting a basically a transparent LCD over the top of a mechanical watch, and that that's sounds interesting. like a, you know really interesting solution. And so that's going to take a bit of time to work out. And I don't think the first generation products will necessarily get there. Right, but you don't have much patience, right? You never buy a, a first, well, the, the latest tag and go, oh, uh, I'll wait for uh, one for, in eight months later. You know, these these things are meant to stand the test off. Time. Uh, and this is a really interesting point about. You see what I did you know, there? Yeah, I saw that. With these smartwatches, you know, are you going to have to see a shift in the way consumers expect them to behave? And actually, I, I don't want it to be an Apple Watch episode, but could Apple come up with a program whereby they replace the innards of your edition or your gold version with kind of the new model or the new sensors to kind of bring it more up to or date? You, or you just swap it? Uh, or or the, the direct direct swapping, but it, it is interesting because I think watches are a kind of a, a, an edge case of this, where you kind of buy it as a collectible, and there is this because the marketing around it has been you buy it for the next generation, and uh, you know those who collect watches, you know it will often be multiple ones, and it's actually the antithesis to technology where you, you know, especially with smartphones, you expect to carry it with you all the time. I'm not sure that necessarily applies to the luxury watch, and you know so does that marriage make sense even? 
certainly I when I when I think about the the gold Apple Watch, I think that that's more a fashion purchase than it is a luxury purchase, and maybe there's a difference in as much as fashion products can often be very very expensive but not have longevity, and so um, you know they're worn once or twice or 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 um, you know replaced on a very fast cycle, and yet are very expensive, and it's a you know, it's a it's a mark of uh, a mark of affluence and and you know, look at me to to own it. Whereas I would, when I look at some of the brands that are now embracing technology, and we say talk about the tags, um, the, there's a Breitling device and various other, various other ones, and even perhaps you think about um, uh, you think about perhaps even the car manufacturers as well. Um, you know that th- those those products, as we've said previously, have long product life cycles, and the technology will exist a- a long enough to look very, very old and very, very obsolete. But it will need to keep doing what it's doing, unless it's such a trivial add-on. You know, the, we we were talking earlier, and we sort of described it as a kind of a Fitbit glued to a watch, where the things are completely independent, and if you don't use the tech, the watch is still an elegant mechanical watch. Um, but if you, if you really have integrated products, it becomes quite hard to imagine how, how those things will retain their value. Can I, I try something on you, right? Because I think it'd be interesting to evaluate how you react to me. Um, <laughs> Pretty badly most yes, days. Yes, yeah. when I say the following, I've just bought a tag. Right, okay, so that just, just think about how you react to me saying that, right? Um, and and do, you to, do you want to see it? now? I pull up the wrist and you see the tag, right? Um, this is a tag of a watch for those. Yes. Um, and then have you, or is this hypothetical? No, it's hypothetical, right? Oh, okay. And then I say, um, I just bought a tag, and I have to tell you how much it is, just because I want you to know, because yeah. you might not know. So, I, uh, and you say, oh, right, that's very nice. And I'm waiting for you to go. How much was it? I go, oh, it's ten thousand dollars or whatever, right? And then think about how you react to me now, right? So I just bought a ten thousand dollar tag. Okay. And now, how do you react to me saying I just bought an addition? Mm. Okay. Now, what tradition? Yeah. Now, so can you genuinely think how you would react to me when I walk in and say I just bought an addition? Because my my thesis to you is that I think you would rate that higher in terms of value than a a seventeen thousand dollar tag. No, I'm interesting. The other, I'm the other way around. Really? Yeah. I've been, okay. Because the 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 tag is a clear luxury purchase it has longevity and style and those sorts of yeah. things and i can understand the the, the reason, investment i can understand the no no not even the, not even like the sense of i mean clearly it's a very you know it's a it's a, it's a real luxury purchase yes. and you know you have to be very privileged position to be able to spend that much money on a on what is effectively jewelry but it's crafted it has longevity it's the, a brand that's born out of years of, of reputation and respect and i'm not sure that a piece of consumer electronics wrapped in gold warrants that degree of but is, respect. Isn't that even more off of waste? Isn't that even more off? Of, oh my god, he's got that much money to well, blow. Well, uh, if you uh, if you walk in and say I've bought a seventeen or ten thousand dollar tag, mm. and I've bought a ten thousand dollar pair of trousers that are um, so fine that I could only ever wear them twice. Yeah, like. One, I think, oh, that's a an elegant choice and a and something that you know is a mark of craftsmanship and this kind of stuff. The other one, I think, what a ridiculous waste of money, you know. That the so the the fashion, I I struggle to be as impressed with the fashion purchase as the luxury purchase. Bunford, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I agree with with Ben here that the good call <laughs> that that you know that distinction between the fashion and luxury is really important, and in the watch world, actually, even the addition 
isn't that expensive. You can get much more expensive watches if you want to. This is true. Right? So and so that, that prestige. So if anything, I, I wonder whether Apple hasn't put it high enough. Um, and Well, that's the, that's the minimum, isn't it, right? Because I mean, there's more the, you can... Does it matter? Because it's got people talking about it. And the thing is, they actually only need to sell a relatively small number of those to, to make how significant much, How revenue. quickly is this going to become a... An Amex black card style, you know, when you say, oh, oh, yeah, there's someone in this office that's got one. But is I think, is it going to become that? I, I think it's, it's quite possible. So the Amex black cards is is famous because you're sort of it's by invitation only mm. and it, it's very prestigious. But it's also very very few people that that get them. So it's yeah. not going to, you know, well maybe in your office, but it's not going to be someone in the office. It's like you know, I think if, if, if in my entire lifetime I've only ever met one person with an Amex black card. Right. You know, and and even then, you know, sort of only only, you know, friend of a friend of a friend. So I just yeah. I declined it. Yeah, well, yeah. Maybe you move it. Maybe you move in different circles. But I'm I'm, I'm thinking I'm, I'm thinking that maybe this the Apple the the Apple edition has the halo effect for the rest of the Apple range. But to me, perhaps buying a stainless steel smartwatch from Apple and spending. 600 bucks on it by the time you've bought a really high-end leather strap that goes with it and all that sort of stuff and spending iphone money on an iphone accessory let's put it that way that's going to be the mark of uh you know sort of um affluence that's going to be the look of the products that you see you generally both of you are telling me that when someone else comes up to you and says oh yes have you you see bob upstairs has got one you're not going to go wow I think, or well, or oh, that's an isn't it? But you're going to react. It's because like art, the fashion, luxury, isn't it? Because if you react to it, then that's good. What about, then it's been then it's been worth it for the purchaser. What about other luxury tech products, Rafe? When where where, where else can we look for some some ideas about this? Uh, Sonos. Well, uh, uh, it's interesting. You know, how do you define luxury? Is it you know, past a certain price point, or was, is it where the sort of the, the features are no longer justified by the price tag? Because I think most of the other one, and I think Sonos is a good example. There are other speakers, Libretone, and you can look at headsets as well. A bat banging off. Where, where actually there is a certain amount of cost associated with the brand and sort of, in that sense, luxury. But actually most of it is because it's genuinely more expensive to produce. And a lot of the times that's around the material. So... I think Libretone as a speaker manufacturer is interesting because they have kind of wool covers that they will sell you to put on your speakerphone, uh, sorry, on your speakers. And that's what makes it kind of uh, a fashion item. But to me, it's it's not a luxury item. And so I think there's a, a more natural marriage between fashion and tech. And I think we're seeing that in the smartwatch space where you have the kind of, it's still very expensive, but the reasonable price level, you know, below $1,000. Uh, and I, I think especially while it is still a, a nascent space, that makes more sense. And, you, you know, you look at, you know, Sonos being a good example, it will cost you, you know, £1,000 plus to equip your house with that kind of system. But actually, it's very high quality, it's very good. And so it, it, it's just fun. I think you can see the same thing happening in the watch space. And I think the... Uh, a vector of the the lunar smartwatches is kind of an example of this, where it's definitely an expensive watch. Um, Go on, remind me because I'm not familiar with that one. So this is one that's been recently announced, and uh, essentially it is uh, an analog watch with the kind of the Fitbit uh, uh, sort of bolted on. Um, but they've done it in quite a clever way. They're going to have an app that's across all three platforms. It's going to cost three hundred and fifty dollars. It's got a thirty day battery life. 
um, it's not really a, a touch screen or a screen on the watch you, you know itself it's a, a monaco screen that provides kind of notifications and it's a proprietary platform so it's not one of the kind of the big tech ones they've done a, a deal basically with uh uh, if this, then that, to kind of bring in some customizable notifications, and it's kind of it's far more watch be interesting. than it is smart um, watch. And uh, you know, just as we had in the early days of smartphone, that distinction between smart and phone, where you put the emphasis, we'll see the same thing in, in smart watches. And I think you'll get these uh, fashionable watches that are watches, and then they might have some smart in them. A very contrasting thing with uh, Google, where it's very definitely a smart, and then it's also a watch. And Apple, I think, have been canny in that they've tried to land in the middle ground. What about headphones? Yeah. It's well, pretty... precisely. We've got, you know, brand, brands. I mean, Beats. That, that's quite a luxury space. I mean, Beats, they've come into the market very quickly, haven't they? Well, and objectively, Beats, the, the quality, certainly luxury in the early days. Beats, that's, that's well, an oxymoron. Well, but in, exactly, because in the, maybe fashion, but in the early, in the early days, Beats products were objectively poorer audio quality. Maybe that, that actually didn't matter to, to many people uh, given the circumstances that they were using them in it didn't you know the audio quality was impaired by you know the surroundings more mm. but you know certainly they have they have gone up the, the range haven't they and they, they sell some very expensive very high-end materials and, and sound quality now but again I I wonder I wonder there to what extent you know you wear you wear beats headphones as a as a fashion thing for you know for the brand and irrespective of how they actually perform doesn't really matter actually but also your beats your beats headphones will continue to function as headphones for as long as you know sort of they are intact yeah and um, you know your, the, yeah, your watch doesn't well so as long as your phone or your mp3 player or whatever it is has a, has a headphone socket in you're you're good but the like I say let, well let's let's look at some of these let's look at some of these watches then um, uh, you know, uh, Frédéric Constant, um, the the French, uh, French or Swiss, French, I think it is brand, have got you know a smartwatch and and a few of them, the Mondial one as well. Um, you know, these are traditional looking mechanical watches with the with the smart bit hidden away. And I think, well, actually, is that a smart decision because it means that those devices will continue to have value long after the you know, the electronical sensors and, and, you know, fitness tracker type stuff right. as, as, you know, no longer useful. But then, for example, um, Breitling, you know, another another big, big brand, mm. they've got, I mean, far be it from me to criticise somebody else's taste, but God, that's ugly. It looks like a child's toy because it's kind of got, you know, a traditional kind of Breitling style um, mechanical watch with loads of little screens and LCDs and things all jammed in around it as Who's well. Who's the actor that... That advertises those. Oh, it's the flying one, isn't it? So yeah. John, is it John Travolta? John Travolta, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. It doesn't fit with me. Fair enough. So going back to our question about other stuff, though, Rafe, we talked about we talked about speakers and things, but you know what? What, what about even the even bigger luxury purchases? Thinking about thinking about cars or something like that, for example, because um, Mobile World Congress, which we talked about last week, had a whole load of had a whole load of um, uh, you know, connected cars and those sorts of things. But as you said, um, we've got you know a, a life, a product life cycle on a car, even a even a high end car is you know many many years, um, and that tech is going to age poorly. And it's all very integrated, isn't it? It, it is. And uh, if you look at what's happening now in the connected car space, actually a lot of it is not about the experience when you're sitting in the car. It's the how you can express it outside the car. 
And that that is interesting to me because the the stuff at MWC that kind of caught the attention was the Maserati that was sitting on the Qualcomm stand and they'd modified it to do a whole bunch of kind of LCD screens and they had LCD mirrors, for example, and then in the console kind of shaped screens as well. Looking at that, it kind of was evident to me that the car manufacturers aren't on program to do that themselves. That may be an area where the, the kind of a partnership with a tech partner makes more sense because of the complexity of those offerings. And the interesting thing about this is cars are not simple technology. A lot of them have multiple computers in them and a great deal of processing power, but it's actually that, that human computer interface that they don't seem to have sorted out. And you know, it, it goes from one extreme to the other because you have the Tesla approach, which throw lots of big LCD screens at it. Uh, I think that works for Tesla, but that's not a mass market thing. And you know, it, it feels to me actually that there's this big problem that they're just, it, it hasn't developed yet. And yet technology is moving so fast that there is definitely more of a desire to have it to integrate into your, your life and in the kind of items that you use than there ever was before. Because when technology is part of the thing, an intrinsic part of the thing, and you, you know, with a car, and perhaps maybe with a smartwatch as well, although you know, they're, they're not very joined up at the moment, but going back to cars, the, the audio system, the navigation system, the, the dashboard, the entertainment system, um, you know, the vehicle uh, uh, telemetrics kind of stuff, uh, maybe the connected vehicle piece, it, you know, particularly for, for high-end fashion or luxury cars, is is pretty crucial. You know, they are that's an important part of the feature set, and yet it feels like it's going to age poorly and perhaps even stop working if those services become you know, negated or obsolete. And at which point you're, you're left with a very lopsided, sort of incomplete product. Yeah, and I, I don't think there's any easy way around this. And I think you can see the same thing in in the home as well, where there are plenty of luxury items and it might be appliances and you know, smart home smart home will have to face this issue as well I, I don't think we're going to come up with a, an easy solution in, in this podcast but it, oh it, go on I, Rafe. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry Ben but bad, bad news listeners it, it, it feels to me that there does need to be a step back and think about how you're going to deliver these products and it, it isn't going to be on the traditional tech side. It's not going to be on the traditional luxury or the fashion side. And at the same time, it does have to be those companies that do it because, you know, the idea of maybe having an after-party install it in a car, it doesn't scale in, in the mass market way. Um, so I think we're going to, in this podcast, we're going to end up asking too you know, many questions without really coming to a satisfactory answer. Well, can I ask you about how much you think an iPad case costs? from Burberry or from Gucci? Well, I imagine it's three or four hundred pounds. Okay, what do you think the top, rough top is? Uh, three or four thousand. Oh, yeah, yeah, Blanford shops regularly at Burberry, right? Okay, so uh, you can buy an alligator leather iPad case for four, eight, nine, five pounds. Sterling, right? Sterling, yep. And then uh, Gucci, you can buy a crocodile notebook and smartphone case for three thousand eight hundred. There is there are entry level iPad cases at five hundred fifty dollars. I would point out that cases are actually much like handbags in that um, although they can be very expensive items, they will go in and out of fashion quite quickly. Yeah, and this is a, another distinction between fashion and luxury. What well, just what happens though, Rafe, when they become because a case is easy to take on and off, and maybe you could even change you know multiple iPads or devices with fit. But what happens when when that Gucci 
iPad case become comes with an NFC gizmo in it that somehow you know links yeah, to the device when as well or, when's it going to charge it oh yeah well and, or like the apple watch for example where the the strap that there's at least a suggestion that the strap that's plugged into it will create some branding we talked about uh, the pebble time uh, before this which you know allows you to plug in accessories as part of the strap and when when these things stop being just glamorous wrappers for our tech and actually become intrinsic parts of them I think you can. The only way to address this is to take a, a step back and look at other industries where you've got multiple stakeholders involved. It ends up being a real mess until there's actually someone gets up and goes, "We need to sort this out for the consumers or from a, a business point of view." And uh, I think you can look at uh, entertainment systems in cars, uh, the original kind of radio and CDs, and the standards kind of uh, evolved out of that. And actually, you can see the same. In the in the computing space, you know, with um, and removable memory USB or something like that, and I don't think fashion and even luxury is going to be any exception to that. But neither of those industries are particularly good at listening to others. I think technology industry tends to be incredibly arrogant and doesn't really understand fashion and luxury. And fashion and luxury haven't had to worry about that because you know it just hasn't been part of their makeup in their products. Um, you know, the vast majority of them, uh, it's quite apart from the product lifecycle side of things, you know, everything else has been subservient to uh, luxury and, and fashion. Actually, if you're going to integrate technology, you can't afford to have it as a secondary consideration. So it strikes me, going back to watches, looking down this list, that there's a few companies that are making the guts for all these various smart watches. Motion X is one. Um, some are using Android Wear. Clearly, obviously, Apple's got its own its own platform. Who 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 could take the lead here? Are we going to buy? You know, are we, we going to buy products from tech firms like Apple that have all the qualities, the build, the style, the fashion, the advertising, maybe even the brand? But the crossover. Well, the, the and and the, the tech firms are going to be able to emulate the the fashion retailers or. Actually, could the can the can the luxury and the fashion brands go out and buy the tech and put it into their existing uh, you know their their existing offerings? Historically, the, the the luxury and fashion brands have been so poor at doing that. I think that's that's not going to work. I I feel that Apple, you know, in hiring the the CEO of Burberry, in the way that they're doing things anyway, by making all of their products are fashionable and cool and premium, yet still accessible. I think they have got a massive lead. And it's going to, you know, I'm looking at some of these products, these watches, and just thinking, oh, no, no, there's no way anyone's going to want to do anything with these. And Rafe, the, um, we talk about, we talk about uh, Halo devices like in phones, that, you know, a high end phone that, that makes you buy a, a mid tier phone. But does a high end Apple Watch, for example, that is primarily about fashion and luxury materials rather than a high specification um, actually going to have the same halo effect on you know the sport watch or the the, the stainless steel version I think honestly we'll have to wait and see because that isn't really an, an analog for this and uh, I mean that's what's most interesting about this space is that you look at you know the luxury and and, and indeed fashion and they're taking on something that they haven't seen before, and uh, there's this idea that they'll be forced to change. They've been around a long time, and uh, I'm not sure that will necessarily happen. 
because people talk about technology being disruptive, and that's absolutely true. You think of all the Kodak was around been, a long time, being disrupted. Absolutely, they they Nokia had Nokia was around a long time. Nokia is still here. I'll have you know. But all of those products operated in essentially the same business space, in the same reason and motivation to buy the products. Fashion and particularly luxury operate in a completely different consumer space, and there's a different mindset, and that's why there is this this clash that. No one really understands what's going to happen because ultimately it comes down to what is motivating the customer to buy these products. And you know, the technologists assume that the technology will be the reason to buy the product. I honestly don't think that's going to happen. I think you know, you, the reason you buy a fashion and a luxury thing is about your sense of self and the kind of the image that you want to project. Uh, I think it's more complicated than that, and I'm sure fashion experts can give us the full rundown on something like that. But that, to me, is a very different um, kind of mode of operation. And Apple, I think, is closest to that because they express a lifestyle and a perception by buying an Apple product. And you know, part of that is buying into the, the Apple value and the way of doing things. But they have always married that with very good technology, very good user experience. And that's something that's quite alien to that, that fashion and, and tech world. And so I think the Apple Watch is is different because as a product, more than any other Apple product I can think of, it is actually about that experience of wearing it on on your wrist, what it looks like. Actually, the technology inside it becomes less important. And so I think they're being very smart, but we're going to see an enormous amount of change in the next few years. So not not a very helpful uh, conclusion there, but... Feels like it could be expensive. Yes, very much so. Very expensive. Okay, well, uh, as ever, always interested in your views on this one. We are far from fashion and luxury experts, but we do like our high-end tech. And if it's going to get fashionable, we ought to know which ones to buy. So uh, let us know. We are at 361podcast on Twitter. We are 361podcast.com. And there you can find a way to email us or you can comment on this post if you would like to comment in public, which many people do. And thank you very much. We will be back next week. Bye-bye.